بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما In our last lesson we spoke about the treachery and the betrayal of the Quraysh and the tribe of Banu Bakr against the tribe of Khuza'ah and with this betrayal and this treachery the Quraysh broke the treaty of Hudaybiyah the treaty that the Quraysh had with the Muslims the treaty of Hudaybiyah was broken by the Quraysh so when the Prophet ﷺ received news of this betrayal he made the decision to advance towards Mecca to punish the Quraysh for breaking the treaty so this army that the Prophet ﷺ assembled to go to Mecca was the biggest Muslim army ever assembled up to this point in time. And it included Muslims from, of course, the Muhajireen and the Ansar in Medina. And it also included Muslims from other tribes that had accepted Islam from outside of Medina. So it was a huge army. And the Prophet ﷺ very strictly made rules so that the news of his plans would not leak to the Quraysh. So the Prophet ﷺ closed all the roads leading out of Medina. So people could enter Medina, but they could not leave Medina. Once you were in Medina, the roads outside of Medina, they were all blocked. And the reason why the Prophet ﷺ gave these commands was so that the news of his plans to advance towards Mecca would not be leaked to the Quraysh. And to give you an idea of how strictly the Prophet ﷺ kept this secret, he didn't even inform all of the Sahaba. He didn't even inform all of the Sahaba where they were going. So they were members of the army and they were going forward, but they didn't know where they were going. Except for, of course, the major companions like Abu Bakr and Umar and other of the major Sahaba. The Prophet ﷺ did inform them of where they were going. So, on the way, Khalid ibn Walid, who was one of the commanders of the Muslim army, he captured a spy. And he interrogated this spy. And in the course of his interrogation, Khalid found out that this spy was from the tribe of Hawazin in At-Ta'if. So, Khalid ibn al-Walid, he asked him, why are you spying on the Muslims? What are you guys planning? What is the tribe of Hawazin planning? So finally, the spy admitted that the tribe of Hawazin, they are planning to attack the Muslims. They are making a plan to attack Medina, to attack the Muslims. So Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu an, he took this spy to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa continued to question the spy. So he asked the spy, who is it that convinced the tribe of Hawazin to attack Medina? Who is the one who put this idea in their minds that they should go and attack Medina? And the spy said, Malik ibn Auf. Malik ibn Auf is the one who made this plan and he is the one who convinced the tribe of Hawazin to attack Medina. Malik ibn Auf. And remember this name because... This name will come up again when we discuss the battle of Hunayn, inshaAllah. So then the Prophet ﷺ asked this man, 
Tell me about Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi, he was the leader of the tribe of Thaqif. And that was one of the huge tribes in Ta'if and it's related to the tribe of Hawazin as well. So he was a very important person in Ta'if, Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to know if he was involved in this too. And if he was involved, what is his role in this? What are his plans? So he asked him, tell me, what is Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi planning? Where is he and what is he doing? And the spy said, Urwa is not in Ta'if right now. He is in Jordan. He is in Jordan. So the Prophet asked him, what is he doing there? What is he doing in Jordan? And the spy replied, he said, he went to Jordan to learn how to build a catapult, the manjaniq, which is a catapult, which is basically a device that you can use to launch fire or other big objects into the enemy territory. So this was something that the Arabs didn't use. It was something that was not used in Arab warfare. So Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi, he went to Jordan to learn how to make this and how to use this, how to make and use the manjaniq or the catapult. So the Prophet ﷺ said, why? Why does he need to learn that? What is he planning on using it for? And then the spy admitted he's planning to come and use that to attack al Madina. So now this is very serious news. Very serious information that the Prophet ﷺ received. That Ta'if also is planning an attack on them. So now they have two places where they can have a war. Mecca because they broke the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and Al-Ta'if because Al-Ta'if is planning to attack them. So there are two situations here that they need to handle, they need to take care of. So after receiving this information, the Prophet ﷺ, he kept that spy because he didn't want that spy to go back to Hawazin and tell them what he saw. And he ordered his army, the Prophet ﷺ ordered his, his army, this big army, to move in the direction of At-Ta'if. Not in the direction of Mecca, but in the direction of At-Ta'if. So now the army, and as we, as we mentioned, most of the army, this huge army, they didn't know where they were going. They were thinking or they were trying to figure it out, but they had no sure idea about where they were going. So when the Prophet ﷺ ordered the army to direct towards the direction of Ta'if, then the army, they thought to themselves, okay, that means we're going to attack Ta'if. We're going to fight with the tribe of Hawazin. So they went in that direction towards Ta'if. But when they were about halfway there, the Prophet ﷺ ordered the army to redirect now towards Mecca. So they redirected towards the direction of Mecca. Now as the Prophet ﷺ came closer to Mecca, he organized this army, this huge Muslim army. He organized it by tribe. Like we mentioned, there were a number of tribes. There were the Muhajireen and the Ansar, of course, and there were also soldiers from other tribes that were from outside of Medina, like the tribe of Banu Sulaim, for example. The tribe of Banu Sulaim had accepted Islam and they sent 1,000 horsemen to be part of this army as well. So there were a number of tribes and the Prophet ﷺ organized the army by tribe. So this faction will be this tribe and this faction will be this tribe. So this is how he organized the army at this point. And he put the army or the soldiers of Banu Sulaim, 
the horsemen of Banu Sulaim, he put them at the front of the army. And as their leader, he appointed Khalid ibn al-Walid. So the front of the army are the horsemen of Banu Sulaim, but he didn't appoint one of Banu Sulaim to be the leader of that faction. Rather, he appointed Khalid ibn al-Walid to be the leader of that part of the army, of those horsemen of Banu Sulaim. And he put Az-Zubair ibn al-Awam in charge of another faction. He put Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah in charge of another faction. And he put Sa'ad ibn Ubadah in charge of the faction of the Muhajireen and the Ansar. Those Muslims who were living in Medina, the Muhajireen and the Ansar. The Prophet ﷺ put Sa'ad ibn Ubadah in charge of them. And Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, he was the leader of the tribe of Khazraj. He was one of the VIPs of the tribe of Khazraj, which, which was one of the main tribes of Al-Madinah. So Sa'ad ibn Ubadah was put in charge of the faction of the Muhajireen and the Ansar. So they moved forward in this way. And when the army reached a distance of just four miles to Mecca, just four more miles in order to reach Mecca. So they're very close now. And still, even up to this point, the Quraysh, they had no news and they had no idea that the Muslim army was advancing towards them. So when they were four miles outside of Mecca, a man came from Mecca. A man came from Mecca in the opposite direction, going towards Medina. And it turned out to be Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu anhu, the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He had accepted Islam in Mecca, alhamdulillah, a while back. And now he had decided to make hijrah. So he was just leaving Mecca and he was on his way to Medina to make hijrah. And he had no idea that the Muslim army is coming. He had no idea that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is right here. So Al-Abbas, he left Mecca with the intention to make hijrah to Medina. So he left Mecca on his way to Medina and just four miles outside of Mecca, he came to see the Muslim army. The Prophet ﷺ and the Muslim army is there. So when the Prophet ﷺ met with his uncle Al-Abbas the Prophet ﷺ was very happy that Al-Abbas had become a Muslim, alhamdulillah, and that he had actually left Mecca with the intention of making hijrah to Medina. He actually left Mecca. He left Mecca and he was making hijrah to Medina, but he only reached four miles outside of Mecca when he met the Muslim army. So Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib an is considered the last muhajir. He is the last muhajir, the final one from the muhajireen. Because the Prophet said, La hijrata ba'd al-fatih. There is no more hijrah after the conquering of Mecca. So after the Fath of Mecca, hijrah was finished. So Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib he was the one who had the honor of being the last muhajir. And the muhajireen in Islam, they have a very special position. They have a high position. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to give Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib that honor to make him from the muhajireen. So he was the last one to leave Mecca as a muhajir radiallahu anhu. So of course this made the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam very happy. So now Al-Abbas radiallahu he has just left Mecca and he's with the Muslim army now and he sees the situation and he figures out what is happening and he feels 
afraid for what is going to happen to the Quraysh. He says, look at this big army. If they come into Mecca, if they invade into Mecca, then the Quraysh will be destroyed. The Quraysh will be completely finished. There is no way that they can withstand this huge Muslim force. So Al-Abbas, he wished, he wished that his people, that the Quraysh, that they would accept Islam. That was his hope, that they will accept Islam. And even if they don't accept Islam, at least they can peacefully surrender. They can peacefully surrender without any fighting. This was the wish of Al-Abbas radiallahu So at night, Al-Abbas radiallahu he took the mule of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And he decided to take the mule of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi to go into Mecca, to go back into Mecca, to try to convince the Quraysh to surrender, to accept Islam or at least surrender. If you don't surrender, you will be completely destroyed. The Quraysh will be wiped off the face of this earth. So Al-Abbas, he wanted to convince them to surrender peacefully. So around the same time as Al-Abbas decided to go back into Mecca, the Quraysh were sending Abu Sufyan out of Mecca again. Because they hadn't heard any news from Medina. They didn't know what the Prophet ﷺ was planning. And as you remember from the last time, we spoke about it. Abu Sufyan had actually gone to Medina to try to negotiate with the Prophet ﷺ, but he didn't get anywhere with that. And he came back to Mecca empty-handed. So now the Quraysh said, look, we haven't heard any news from Medina for a long time. We don't know what the Prophet ﷺ is planning. They had no idea. He's just four miles away, right near Mecca. So they told Abu Sufyan, you know, the best thing, you should go to Medina again. Make a second trip to Medina again and try to renegotiate with the Prophet ﷺ again. And while you're in Medina, you can see what they're planning. You can see if they're planning an attack. You can see if they're organizing an army. You can at least get some information because we haven't heard any information. So Abu Sufyan, he left Mecca. Abu Sufyan left Mecca. And also, Hakim ibn Huzam left Mecca around that time as well because he wanted to see if there's anyone coming from Medina so we can hear some news from Medina. They were all curious as what's going on. And also Budail ibn Warqa. If you remember Budail ibn Warqa, he was one of the leaders of the tribe of Khuza'ah. Khuza'ah is the tribe that was attacked by Banu Bakr. And that was the whole breaking of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah when the tribe of Khuza'ah was attacked. And Budail ibn Warqa had already met with the Prophet ﷺ in Medina and he had informed him of exactly what had happened. So Budail ibn Warqa, he was also curious to know what is the Prophet ﷺ planning? Is he going to send his men to come and help us? So when Abu Sufyan left Mecca, Hakim ibn Huzam also left Mecca and Budail ibn Warqa also left Mecca. And they all left basically with the same intention in their minds to find out what's going on. What is the news from Medina? So the three of them ran into each other on the pathway from Mecca to Medina. Abu Sufyan and Hakim ibn Huzam and Budail ibn Warqa. And when they were on that path towards Medina, they saw huge fires, huge fires. Because of the Muslim army that was just outside, just a few miles away, they had lit fires, of course, to keep themselves warm and to cook and all of this. So the three of these men, Abu Sufyan and Hakim ibn Huzam and Budail ibn Warqa, when they left Mecca and they embarked on the pathway to Medina, they saw these huge fires. And they knew that this means that there are people here. 
And a lot of people, not just a few people. These fires mean there are a large number of people here. So they started asking amongst themselves, who is this huge army? Who is this huge army? Abu Sufyan asked, who could it be? They had no idea it was the Muslims. And Budayl ibn Warqa, who was one of the leaders of Khuza'ah, who had met with the Prophet earlier, he had an idea that this is probably the Prophet Muhammad and his army, they have come to help us. So Budayl had an idea that it was probably the Muslims, but he didn't want Abu Sufyan to think that. He didn't want Abu Sufyan to know that these were the Muslims. So Budayl said, maybe it is the tribe of Khuza'ah. That's his own tribe. Maybe it is the tribe of Khuza'ah. They have gathered together to fight you. And Abu Sufyan said, Khuza'ah, this is Khuza'ah. Look how many people there are. Khuza'ah doesn't have this many people in their tribe. And they are not strong enough to organize such a large amount of people. No way. This cannot be Khuza'ah. So as they were discussing it amongst themselves, the three of them, Hakib ibn Huzam and Abu Sufyan and Budayl, Al-Abbas radiallahu an, he came from the opposite direction. Because remember, Al-Abbas was on the mule of the Prophet going in the direction towards Mecca. While Abu Sufyan and Hakim and Budayl, they were on the way outside of Mecca. So they crossed paths. And Al-Abbas, he saw Abu Sufyan. And he called out to him. He said, Ya Abu Sufyan. And Abu Sufyan, he recognized the voice of Al-Abbas. He recognized the voice of Al-Abbas. And he said, Abu Al-Fadl? Is it you, Ya Abu Al-Fadl? Abu Al-Fadl was the kunya of Al-Abbas. So Al-Abbas said, yes, it is me. And then Abu Sufyan asked him, he asked Al-Abbas, Ya Abbas, ma wara'ak? Oh Abbas, who is this army? Who are these people behind you? Where are you coming from? And Al-Abbas radiallahu an, he said, Ya Abbas Sufyan, this is Muhammad and his army. And he has come with the Arabs and he has come with the tribes. And if they enter Mecca, if they enter Mecca, the Quraysh will be destroyed and they will be wiped off the face of this earth. The Quraysh will completely be forgotten if Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his army enters Mecca. So Abbas radiallahu anhu, he tried to convince Abu Sufyan, Ya Abu Sufyan, let me take you to Muhammad. I will take you to meet Muhammad and you can talk to him and you can surrender Mecca peacefully. Just surrender Mecca peacefully. You do not want to fight the Muslim army, trust me. So then Abu Sufyan said, how can I enter upon Muhammad? How can I go? and see Muhammad and the Muslims. Because the treaty of Hudaybiyah is broken now. There's no treaty anymore. So if I go there and the Muslims see me, I will be killed. I will be killed. They will kill me. And then Abbas radiallahu anhu, he said to Abu Sufyan, I will give you my personal protection. You are under my protection. So then Abu Sufyan, he felt safe and he accompanied Abbas on the way back to the Muslim camp to meet the Prophet So as Abbas and Abu Sufyan approached the Muslim camp, Umar ibn al-Khattab he was the head of the security. He was the head of the security and he saw Abu Sufyan. And when he saw Abu Sufyan, he said, Abu Sufyan, Ra'sul Kufr. This is Abu Sufyan. He is the head of the Kuffar. And he took out his sword and he said, there is no treaty between us anymore. 
There is no treaty between us anymore. And he wanted to strike Abu Sufyan with his sword. He said, there's no treaty anymore. So there's nothing that prevents me from killing you. And then Abbas radiallahu anhu, he said, stop, ya Umar. He is under my protection. I have given him protection. And Umar said, he is the head of kufr. He is the head of kufr. He has no rights. There's no protection for him. There's no treaty for him. And Abbas said, no, ya Umar. I gave him my personal guarantee. I gave him my promise of safety. You can't do anything to him. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he really wanted to do it. But he hesitated. He said, okay, if he is under the protection of Abbas, perhaps I shouldn't do it. Perhaps I can't do it. So what he decided to do was to go to the Prophet and ask him permission. He wanted to go to the Prophet and say, Ya Rasulullah, Abu Sufyan is here. Give me permission to kill him. So he quickly ran to the tent of the Prophet And Abbas he realized that Umar is running to the tent to ask permission to kill Abu Sufyan. I need to beat him to the tent. So I can inform the Prophet ﷺ that I have given him my protection. So Umar is running and Abbas is also running. They want to get to the tent of the Prophet ﷺ. So they both reached at about the same time. And Umar he said, Ya Rasulullah, Abu Sufyan is here. Give me permission to kill him. And Abbas quickly says, Ya Rasulullah, I have given him my promise of safety, my promise of protection. I just want him to talk to you. And then the Prophet ﷺ told Umar Ya Umar, just leave it. Leave it. Do not kill him. So Abu Sufyan entered the tent of the Prophet ﷺ and he spoke to the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ spoke to Abu Sufyan very sternly. Very sternly. And he said, Ya Abu Sufyan, Ama ana laka an tashhada an la ilaha illallah? He said, Ya Abu Sufyan, isn't it time for you to finally testify that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah? Hasn't the time come for you to testify to this? Ya Abba Sufyan. The Prophet ﷺ addressed him very sternly. And then Abu Sufyan, he answered with a very amazing answer actually. He said to the Prophet ﷺ, he said, if there was any other God besides Allah, if there was any other God besides Allah, they would have helped us today. But they're not helping us. So that obviously means that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. I believe that. Then the Prophet ﷺ continued, أَمَا آنَ لَكَ أَن تَشْهَدَ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Isn't it time for you to testify that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah? But to this Abu Sufyan said, As for this, I still have some doubts in myself about this. Then Abbas radiallahu anhu was still there and he said to Abu Sufyan, Ya Abu Sufyan, accept Islam, become a Muslim. If you don't become a Muslim and if the Muslims enter Mecca by force, you will personally be responsible for the destruction of the Quraysh. So accept Islam. So Abu Sufyan, he thought about it and he realized that if he refused to accept Islam, he would be killed as an enemy of war. And the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslim army would enter Mecca by force. So he said the shahadatain. Abu Sufyan said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. But he didn't say it from his heart. He didn't say it from his heart. He just said it to avoid 
being killed as an enemy combatant. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay. And he told Abbas, he said, keep Abu Sufyan with you tonight and bring him back in the morning. So Abu Sufyan asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, will you give the people of Mecca safety? Can you promise them safety if you enter Mecca? And then Abbas, he said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, Abu Sufyan, he is a man who has a lot of pride. He has a lot of pride in, him, in himself. So give him something. Give him something that will keep his pride and his honor intact. So the Prophet ﷺ said, okay, okay. Whoever enters the house of Abu Sufyan is safe. So when we enter Mecca, when the Muslims enter Mecca, anyone who enters the house of Abu Sufyan, this person has guaranteed safety. He is safe. So this was like, like an honor for Abu Sufyan, that anyone who enters his house is safe. So the Prophet ﷺ gave him this honor. And then Abu Sufyan said, My house is not big enough for everyone in Mecca. So what about those who are not able to come inside my house? Can you guarantee them safety as well? So the Prophet ﷺ said, Anyone who enters the masjid is safe. Anyone who enters the masjid is safe. So then Abu Sufyan said, Okay, but still, there may be people who are not able to come and enter my house and they're also not able to enter the masjid. So can you guarantee more safety for more people? So then the Prophet ﷺ said, anyone who enters their own house and closes the door, they are safe. So then Abu Sufyan was happy with this. He said, okay, this safety is general. Everyone can have safety in this situation. Either enter the house of Abu Sufyan or enter the masjid or go into your own house and close the door. Then you're safe. Then you're safe. So Abu Sufyan was satisfied with this because this, this guaranteed basically safety for pretty much everyone. So after Salatul Fajr, the Prophet ﷺ, he sent Abu Sufyan back on his way to Mecca to inform the Quraysh to be ready to surrender and to make sure that they either go to the house of Abu Sufyan or to the masjid or they close the doors of their own house when the Muslims enter Mecca so that everyone will be safe. So the Prophet ﷺ sent, uh, sent Abu Sufyan on his way after Salatul Fajr. So as he sent Abu Sufyan on his way, he told Abbas and he said, follow him, follow him and stop him in between the two mountains that come before entering Mecca. Stop him in between the two mountains that come before the entrance of Mecca. So Abu Sufyan is on his way to Mecca and Abbas catches up with him. And when they reach the area between the two mountains, the Abbas calls out to Abu Sufyan, Ya Abu Sufyan, qif! Oh Abu Sufyan, stop, stop! And Abu Sufyan got very scared. He got very scared. Why is he telling me to stop? Maybe he wants to kill me. He got very afraid. He said, what are you doing? Are you going to betray me? Are you going to kill me? So Abbas was surprised at this. And he said, Ya Abbas Sufyan, has your fear reached such a level? You're so scared. Has your fear reached such a level? Such an extreme level? So Abbas was shocked at this. And he explained to Abu Sufyan, the Prophet ﷺ told me to stop you here. He told me to stop you right here. And Abu Sufyan asked why and Abbas said I don't know he just told me to stop you here and to wait here so Abbas and Abu Sufyan they're sitting there 
waiting. And then the different factions of the army, of the Muslim army, start passing by and showing a display of their power. So first Khalid ibn al-Walid with the tribe of Banu Sulaim, their horsemen, they pass by and Abu Sufyan is just watching them pass by. A very extreme display of military strength and power. And Abu Sufyan sees this and he says, Ya Abbas, who are these people? Who are these soldiers? And Abbas says, this is Bani Sulaim. Bani Sulaim have accepted Islam. They have become Muslims and they are part of this army. So Abu Sufyan was shocked. And then the other factions of the army, one by one, they passed by. And Abu Sufyan is just witnessing all of this. And he is amazed at the numbers and he's amazed at the strength that they are showing. He didn't realize that Islam had reached such a dominance. Finally, the last faction came. The last group of this army came and that was the Muhajireen and the Ansar. The Muhajireen and the Ansar with the Prophet ﷺ himself as the, as the head of the whole army. And they were all in armor, full body armor. So Abu Sufyan, he didn't recognize who are they. So he asked Abbas, who are these people? Who are they? And Abbas he said, these are the Muhajireen and they are the Ansar and they are led with general command by the Prophet Muhammad So this is why the Prophet told Abbas to stop Abu Sufyan right there. So Abu Sufyan could witness the strength of this army with his own eyes. So that when he goes to his people in Mecca, he can honestly tell them that you have no chance, we must surrender. Don't even think about trying to resist the Muslim army. Don't even think about trying to fight them. So he wanted Abu Sufyan to see this with his own eyes. And Abu Sufyan saw it with his own eyes. Then Abu Sufyan went into Mecca. He went into Mecca and he gathered the leaders of the Quraysh. He gathered his people and he told them, we have no other choice but to surrender. We must surrender. And the other leaders of the Quraysh, they questioned him, why? Why must we surrender? Why can't we fight them? And Abu Sufyan explained to them that no way, there is no fighting these people today. We do not have the power, we do not have the strength, we do not have the ability to fight them, we must surrender. So the wife of Abu Sufyan, Hind bint Utbah, she was very upset at her husband for telling the Quraysh to surrender because she wanted to fight. She had a very strong desire to hurt the Muslims because many of her family members were killed at the Battle of Badr. So she still had this desire to hurt the Muslims. So she was upset at her husband for telling the Quraysh to surrender. And she said, don't listen to this guy telling you to surrender. She's talking about her own husband. Don't listen to this guy telling you to surrender. We should fight. Kill him. You should kill him for telling, him, for telling you to surrender. So she's telling the Quraysh to kill her own husband because her husband is trying to convince them to surrender. So this is how much anger and hatred was in her heart. Hind bint Utbah. But Abu Sufyan said, don't listen to her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. It's a huge army. I have seen it with my own eyes. You cannot face this army. Trust me. Trust me. So the leaders of the Quraysh, they said to Abu Sufyan, okay, you know, you are our leader and we believe that what you are saying is true. So tell us, what should we do? How do we handle this situation? 
So then Abu Sufyan, he said, whoever enters my house is safe. Whoever enters my house is safe. That was his honor. So he mentioned it to them. And they said, okay, do you think your house can fit the whole Quraysh? And then Abu Sufyan said, also whoever enters the masjid is safe. And whoever enters his or her own home and closes the door, they are safe. So then the Quraysh, they were satisfied with this and they said, okay, let us all enter these safe spaces and we will surrender peacefully. So they all entered the safe spaces and they agreed to surrender. So now the Prophet ﷺ, before entering Mecca, before actually entering the city of Mecca, he reorganized the army again. He had had it organized before by tribes. Now he reorganized it in four factions, in four groups to enter Mecca from four different sides. So one group entering from one side, the second group entering from another side, the third group entering from another side, and the fourth group entering from another side. So he organized it in four factions. And these four factions were led by Khalid ibn al-Walid, Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah, Az-Zubair ibn al-Awam, and Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. So these four men were in charge of the four factions. Khalid ibn al-Walid, Abu Ubaidah al-Jarrah, Az-Zubair ibn al-Awam, and Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. So Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, as we mentioned, he was a very important person in Medina. He was the leader of the tribe of Khazraj. So the Prophet ﷺ had put him in charge of one of the four factions. And Sa'ad was calling out, Al-Yawm Yawmul Malhamah. Al-Yawm Yawmul Malhamah. Today is the day of slaughter. Today is the day we will kill the Quraysh. So when the Prophet ﷺ heard that Sa'ad was speaking like this, he said, no. He said, بَلِ الْيَوْمِ يَوْمُ الْمَرْحَمَةِ Rather, today is the day of mercy. Today is the day of mercy and this is a day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will honor the Quraysh. So it just shows the rahmah and the mercy in the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. And because Sa'ad said this, the Prophet ﷺ decided to take that leadership position away from him. But he didn't want to hurt his feelings and the feelings of the Ansar in general because he was an important person of the Ansar, the leader of Khazraj. So the Prophet ﷺ didn't want to take away his authority and just give it to anyone else because that might hurt the Ansar in general. So he took it away from Sa'ad ibn Ubadah and he gave it to the son of Sa'ad ibn Ubadah, Qais ibn Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. So it went from the father to the son. So. The Ansar were still happy and even Sa'ad, he was still okay with this. Okay, it's taken away from me, but it's given to my own son. So he did this with extreme wisdom. This shows the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ. It's a very delicate situation. So he did it in a way that didn't hurt anyone's feelings. So he ordered these four groups to enter Mecca from different sides and to all meet at Al-Khif. Al-Khif is a place near Jabal Hind near what is now the center of Mecca. So he ordered the men and these commanders do not kill anyone. Enter Mecca and do not kill anyone except for a few certain people. The Prophet ﷺ named a few people. He named a few people and he said, these people, you kill them. These people, kill them. Even if one of them tries to hang 
on the curtains on the cover of the Kaaba, kill him anyways. So a few names the Prophet said, these are the people that you kill. And these were from the biggest enemies of Islam who had caused a lot of harm to the Muslims. So a list of a few people that the Prophet said, you can kill them. So when the army entered, when the army entered Mecca, remember the rules that everyone who is in the house of Abu Sufyan is safe, everyone who is in the masjid is safe, and everyone who goes in their own house and closes the door, they are safe. But anyone who is on the street, these people, they will be captured. They will be taken as prisoners. So the army entered Mecca. Now, the father of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he was not a Muslim yet at that time. Abu Quhafa radiallahu anhu. Very old man. He was slow. He was not fast. He couldn't walk fast. So he was trying to go to his home. But when the, when the army entered, he hadn't reached his home yet. He was still out on the street. So they captured him. They captured him. And they realized that this is the father of Abu Bakr. So they took him to Abu Bakr. They took him to his son, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he spoke to his father and he told his father, you should become a Muslim, you should accept Islam. And his father, alhamdulillah, was convinced to accept Islam. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he took his father to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He took his father and they went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he said, Ya Rasulullah, my father, he wants to become a Muslim. And the Prophet sallallahu was very happy. He was very happy. And he said, Ya Abu Bakr, you should have told me. I would have come to him. He's an old man. You brought him to me? If you had just told me, I would have come to him. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, it is more deserving that he comes to you. It is more deserving that he comes to you rather than you going to him. But it shows the mercy and the humbleness of the Prophet ﷺ. That even though he is the messenger of Allah, because he saw that this is an old man, he said to Abu Bakr, I would have come to him instead of you making him go through difficulty in coming to me. It just shows the greatness of Rasulullah ﷺ. So the father of Abu Bakr, Abu Quhafa radiallahu anhu, accepted Islam. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he has a special honor of having four generations of his family that are Sahaba of the Prophet His father, himself, his children, and his grandchildren. So there are four generations from the family of Abu Bakr who are all Sahaba of the Prophet His father Abu Quhafa, himself, his children, Aisha Asma and also the sons of Abu Bakr, and also the grandson of Abu Bakr radiallahu Abdullah ibn al-Zubair radiallahu He was a grandson of Abu Bakr radiallahu So four generations of his family, they were all from the Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So as they entered Mecca, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam entered Mecca, he was on his camel, al-Qaswa. And he was wearing a black turban. And he kept his head down in humility, showing his humbleness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many times when someone comes into a new land and conquers that land, they come in with their 
head very high showing their pride but the Prophet وسلم, he was not like this he showed his humbleness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he entered Mecca upon his camel with his head very low to show his humbleness sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as he entered Mecca on his camel he recited Surah Al-Fatih Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina. He was reciting this surah as he entered Mecca. So eventually, the four groups that the Prophet ﷺ had made and he told them to meet at Al Khif, three of them arrived at Al Khif. Three of those groups arrived. But one of the groups was delayed, and that was the group of Khalid ibn al Walid. And the reason why he was delayed was because when he entered Mecca with his part of the army, he encountered some resistance. There were some of the people of the Quraysh who didn't enter their homes. They stayed out there and they wanted to fight with the Muslims. And from amongst these people were Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl, Ikrimah, the son of Abu Jahl, and also Safwan ibn Umayyah. Safwan, who was the son of Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Umayyah ibn Khalaf was also killed at Badr. Right? So Ikrimah and Safwan and some others they formed a resistance and they wanted to actually fight with Khalid ibn al-Walid and his army. So Khalid, radiallahu anhu, he said, move, move out of the way. I don't want to fight with you. The Prophet ﷺ told us not to fight. Go home, just go home and be safe. Don't make a problem here. Let's end this thing peacefully. But they refused. They said, you will not enter Mecca except with your sword we will fight you so Khalid said I don't want to fight you I'm telling you I don't want to fight you don't make a problem for yourselves just go home this can end peacefully just go home but they refused and because of their consistent refusal Khalid ibn al-Walid he had no choice except to fight these people so he had to fight them so Khalid and the Muslim army that was with him, they fought against those kuffar of the Quraysh and they killed 23 of them. They killed 23 of the kuffar of the Quraysh and as for the Muslims, not a single one of them was killed. And as for Ikrimah and Safwan, they escaped, they ran away and they actually ran away and they left Mecca. They left Mecca, they escaped. So eventually Khalid radiallahu anh, he reached. But he was very much delayed. And when the Prophet ﷺ came to know about what happened and that Khalid and his army had actually fought and they had actually killed some of these enemies, the Prophet ﷺ said, why did you kill them? I told you not to kill anyone. And then Khalid explained that I tried to tell them to leave, I tried to tell them to go home, but they wouldn't listen and they refused except to fight. So I had to fight them. We had no choice. So the Prophet ﷺ understood this and he accepted this. He said, okay, if this was the situation and you had no choice, then you did what you had to do. So the Prophet ﷺ, when all of the four factions of the army had reached, he ordered the Muslims to head to the Kaaba. Let's go to the Kaaba. And as they went to the Kaaba, they were making takbir and tahleel. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. So they go to the Kaaba and they assemble at the Kaaba. The Muslims assemble at the Kaaba. Now the Quraysh who had, who had gone to their homes to be safe, who had gone to the masjid to be safe, now that they saw that the Muslims were at the Kaaba <coughs> and they saw that they had completed 
the conquest of Mecca, that the Muslims now had Mecca completely under their control. Now the Quraysh knew that it was safe to come out. Now we can come out and we are safe. The Muslims have taken control now. We can come out of our homes. So they came out of their homes because they knew that their surrender was complete now. So they came out and they witnessed the Muslims at the Kaaba. The Prophet ﷺ, he made tawaf on his camel. He made tawaf on his camel. And as he was making tawaf of the Kaaba, he was reciting Surah Al-Fatih. Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina liyaghfira laka Allahu ma taqaddama min zambika wa ma taakhara wa yutimma ni'matahu alayka wa yahdiyaka siratan mustaqima wa yansuraka Allahu nasran aziza. And he recited the whole surah up to the end. After he finished tawaf, he went to the well of Zamzam and he asked Abbas radiallahu an to get some water from him for him. So Abbas radiallahu an got water and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam drank that water. Then Abbas radiallahu an he asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said, Ya Rasulullah, do you want to go to your house? The house that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had left so many years earlier, the house that he shared with Khadija radiallahu anha. So Abbas radiallahu anhu, he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, do you want to go to your house? And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said something very sad. He said, وَهَلْ تَرَكَ لَنَا عَقِيلٌ بَيْتَ But did Aqil leave any house for us? Aqil, Aqil ibn Abi Talib, he was the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left Mecca, Aqil was not a Muslim at that time. So he took that house of the Prophet ﷺ and he sold it. He sold the house that the Prophet ﷺ shared with Khadija anha. So now that the Prophet ﷺ is back in Mecca, but he has no house to his name. So he said this sadly, وَهَلْ تَرَكَ لَنَا عَقِيلٌ بَيْتَ But did Aqil leave any house for us? We don't have a house. So the Prophet ﷺ, he stayed in Mecca for 19 days. The Fath of Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ stayed there for 19 days, but he didn't have a house, so he stayed in a tent. On the first day when the Prophet ﷺ entered Mecca, on the day of the Fath, the day of the conquest of Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ came to the Kaaba and he stood at the door of the Kaaba. He stood at the door of the Kaaba. And by this time, the Quraysh, they had come out of their houses. The surrender was finished. It was complete. Now it was safe for them to come back out of their houses. So they came to witness what was going on. The Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims were there at the Kaaba. The Prophet ﷺ stood at the door of the Kaaba and he gave an amazing khutbah. He gave an amazing khutbah. And the Muslims are listening. And the kuffar of the Quraysh, they are also listening to this khutbah of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ in this amazing khutbah, he said his famous words. He said to the Quraysh, these people who harmed him for so many years, now he is back in Mecca and he is victorious and he has taken this land and he is the ruler of this land. The Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And he said to these people, he said, what do you think I am going to do with you today? And these people knew exactly how they had treated the Prophet ﷺ over the years. They knew that they were guilty. 
And the Prophet asked them, مَا تَرَوْنَ أَنِّي فَاعِلٌ بِكُمْ What do you think I'm going to do with you? So they said to the Prophet خَيْرٌ أَخٌ كَرِيمٌ إِبْنُ أَخٍ كَرِيمٌ They said, we only hope for good from you. We only hope for good from you. You are our honorable brother and you are the son of our honorable brother. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said to them these amazing words. He said, إِنِّي أَقُولُ لَكُمْ كَمَا قَالَ يُوسُفُ لِإِخْوَتِهِ لَا تَثْرِيبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْيَوْمِ لَا تَثْرِيبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْيَوْمِ اذْهَبُوا فَأَنْتُمُ الطُّلَقَى The Prophet ﷺ said, I'm going to say to you, as Yusuf ﷺ said to his brothers, that there will be no... Vengeance upon you today. Go. You are all free. You are free. So the Prophet ﷺ, he forgave his enemies and he freed them. And this is an amazing display of the mercy of Rasulullah ﷺ. The one about whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We have not sent you except as a mercy for all of creation. So this was an example of that. The Prophet ﷺ freed and forgave his enemies. When he could have punished them, he could have punished them. And nobody could have blamed him for punishing them. But he said, اِذْهَبُوا فَأَنْتُمُ الطُّلَقَى Go, you are free. ﷺ. From the other incidents that happened when the Prophet ﷺ came and conquered Mecca, is that while the Prophet ﷺ was making tawaf, a man named Fudala, Fudala, he had a dagger hidden with him. And he wanted to kill the Prophet ﷺ. So he was able to inch closer and closer to the Prophet ﷺ until he reached a very close distance between himself and the Prophet ﷺ. When he came near the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ asked him, Ya Fudala, what are you thinking to yourself? What are you thinking? And Fudala, he was pretending to be a Muslim and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I am just remembering Allah, I am doing dhikr of Allah, this is what I am thinking. And the Prophet wasallam said, Ya Fudala, istaghfirillah. O Fudala, ask Allah for forgiveness. So Fudala, he said, astaghfirullah, I ask Allah for forgiveness. And the Prophet wasallam said to him again, istaghfirillah, ask Allah for forgiveness. And Fudala said, astaghfirullah, I ask Allah for forgiveness. Then the Prophet ﷺ put his hand on the chest of Fudala and he said, Ya Fudala, istaghfirillah. O Fudala, ask Allah for forgiveness. And Fudala, he said, astaghfirullah. And then the Prophet ﷺ removed his hand from the chest of Fudala. And then Fudala said, Ya Rasulullah, Wallahi, I came here with the intention to kill you. I came here with the intention to kill you. Before you put your hand on my chest, you were the most hated of people to me. I didn't hate anyone more than I hate you. But when you put your hand on my chest and took it off, now you are the most beloved person to me, Ya Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this was one of the miracles of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So after all of this happened, now Makkah has been conquered, alhamdulillah. The Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wasallam has taken Makkah by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Abu Sufyan. He's sitting with some of his friends and he's very sad that he lost Mecca. And he doesn't know what the future holds now. He doesn't know what his situation is going to be in the future. So remember Abu Sufyan had taken the Shahada, but he didn't really have it in his heart at that time. So he's sitting now thinking to himself, worried, sad, what can I do? And he's thinking to himself, maybe I can reorganize the Quraysh. Maybe I can get some help from some outside tribes and we can take Mecca back again. He's not saying anything. It's just all in his mind. He's just thinking this to himself. Just thinking it to himself. And while he was thinking this, he felt someone pat him on the back. He felt someone pat him on the back. He looked back. It is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the Prophet says to him, Ithan Allah. He said to Abu Sufyan, If you do that, then Allah will humiliate you. Abu Sufyan didn't say anything. He was just thinking this in his mind. And the Prophet answered the thoughts in the mind of Abu Sufyan. He patted him on his back and he said, Ithan Allah. If you do that, then Allah will humiliate you. So now Abu Sufyan is amazed. He said, I didn't even say anything. I was just thinking it in my mind. And he, he knows what I was thinking. So now Islam, it really started to come into his heart that, that he must really be the messenger of Allah. It really started to come in his heart. Later on, after that, Abu Sufyan, he was sitting with two of his friends. He was sitting with two men. Al-Harith ibn Hisham and Utab ibn Usaid. So the three of them sitting together. Abu Sufyan, Al-Harith ibn Hisham and Utab ibn Usaid. And the time for Salah came. So Bilal radiallahu an, he starts giving the Adhan on the Kaaba. And all three of these men, they hear the Adhan and they can't do anything about it. So Utab ibn Usaid, he says, Allah honored my father Usaid, that he made him die before he heard this slave giving the Adhan on the Kaaba. And Al-Harith, Ibn Hisham, he said something similar to that. They both spoke and they said this. And Abu Sufyan, he said, I am not going to say anything. I'm not going to say a word because if I say anything, the stones that are around here, they will tell Muhammad what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to be quiet. So then the Prophet ﷺ came and he told each of those men exactly what they said. He said, Ya Utab, Allah honored Usaid, your father, by not letting him hear the Adhan of Bilal. And then he said to Al-Harith something similar to that. And then he said to Abu Sufyan, Abu Sufyan, if you said something, the stones would tell me what you said, right? So now Abu Sufyan, he has no doubt. There is no way, there is no way that he could know these things except that he is the messenger of Allah. He is truly the messenger of Allah. And that is when Islam really entered the heart of Abu Sufyan. And he really became a good Muslim, alhamdulillah. And from that point on, Abu Sufyan was from the good companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So imagine this, someone, he is the head of the kuffar. He is the, the, the most stringent enemy of Islam. And now he becomes a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So now he was sure and he became a true Muslim. Then the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered the people to get away from the Kaaba, move away from the Kaaba. And the Prophet ﷺ, he started making tawaf and he had a stick in his hand as he made tawaf. 
And as he passed by the idols, there were idols around the Kaaba, he would take his stick and he would point the stick towards the idols. And even before his stick would touch the idols, even before touching the idols, the idols would just fall. He wouldn't even have to touch the idols with his stick, but they would just fall. So this was a sign that the message of Rasulullah is the truth for everyone to see. He's not even touching the idols and the idols are falling down onto the ground. There were many idols around the Kaaba and the Prophet wasallam, he hit all of them or he made all of them fall down. And as he was doing this, as he was dropping the idols, as he was making the idols fall down, he would recite the ayah, قُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَزَهَقَ الْبَاطِلِ إِنَّ الْبَاطِلَ كَانَ زَهُوقًا Say, surely the truth has come and falsehood has perished. Surely falsehood is bound to perish. So the Prophet ﷺ, he destroyed all of the idols that were around the Kaaba, And all of the idols fell down. And the last one that fell down was the biggest idol. That is the idol of Hubal. The idol of Hubal. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he came in front of that idol, he recited the ayah, قُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَزَهَقَ And this idol, they had kept it very firm into the ground. It was supported in the ground. But when the Prophet ﷺ recited this ayah, Hubal fell down. And then the Prophet ﷺ ordered the companions to break it into smaller pieces, to just break it apart, to destroy it. So this was the destruction of all of the idols that were around the Kaaba. The Kaaba was purified from shirk on that day. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So after this, the Prophet ﷺ, he wanted to enter the Kaaba. He wanted to enter the Kaaba. And the key of the Kaaba was with the family of Bani Shayba. The family of Bani Shayba. And Uthman ibn Talha, عن, he was one of the members of this family. So it was his family that had the key of the Kaaba. Now Uthman ibn Abi Talha, at this point, he was a Muslim, alhamdulillah. He had actually become a Muslim a few months earlier. The Fath of Mecca was in the month of Ramadan. And Uthman ibn Talha had become a Muslim about seven or eight months before this. But before the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ, many years before, before the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ, when he was still in Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ had asked Uthman ibn Talha to give him the key to let him enter the Kaaba. And at that time, Uthman ibn Talha was not a Muslim. And he refused to allow the Prophet ﷺ to enter the Kaaba. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him nicely, Ya Uthman, adkhilni al Kaaba. Ya Uthman, let me enter the Kaaba. And Uthman said, No, I will not let you enter the Kaaba. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya Uthman, adkhilni al-Ka'aba, let me enter the Kaaba before a day comes when I will have the key. When I will have this key and then I will give it to whomever I want to give it to. So let me enter now before that day comes. And Uthman ibn Talha, he said, if that day ever comes, then the inside of the earth is better for me than the outside of the earth. I would rather be dead in the ground than be alive if you ever get the Kaaba. So this was a conversation between Rasulullah and Uthman ibn Talha many years earlier. 
before the Hijrah to Medina. So now Uthman is a Muslim, alhamdulillah, and he and his family, they still have the key for the Kaaba. And the Prophet ﷺ says to Uthman, Ya Uthman, get me the key. I want to enter the Kaaba. Now Uthman, he's a Muslim and he's ready to do it. Whatever the Prophet ﷺ says, Sam'an wa ta'a. I hear and I obey. So he went to his home to get the key. And he met his mother. And his mother was the one who actually, she had the key with her. So Uthman, he said to his mother, give me the key. Give me the key to the Kaaba. Rasulullah ﷺ, he wants to go inside. And then his mother reminded him of the incident years earlier. She said to him, remember, remember what happened between you and Rasulullah And when he said that a day will come where I will have the key to the Kaaba and then I will give it to whomever I wish. Remember that? And Uthman, he remembered it. He said, but he wants the key. I have to give it to him. He is Rasulullah. But the mother said, Uthman's mother said, no, I'm afraid if we give it to him, then we will lose this honor. Our family will lose this honor. He will give it to someone else because of what happened so many years earlier between you and him. He will not give it back to us. I don't want to give it. And Uthman said, no, you have to give it. He wants it. Even if we lose the key, even if we lose it, this is the order of Rasulullah We have to give it. And his mother said, no, I'm not giving it. And she put it in her dress. And now Uthman, he can't do anything. He can't like shake his mother down and get the key. This is his mother. So he's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. So the Prophet ﷺ is waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for the key. And it is delayed. So he sent Abu Bakr and Umar anhuma. He said, go and see what's going on. So Abu Bakr and Umar anhuma, they go to the house of Uthman. And you know Umar ibn Khattab right? He, lock, he knocks the door very hard. Ya Uthman, where is the key? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he's waiting for the key. He knocked it very hard. And he said this in a very loud, stern voice. And the mother of Uthman heard it as well. And then she got scared. When she heard the voice of Umar ibn Khattab, she got scared. She said, okay, take the key. Take the key. I don't want them to come in and take the key from me. So she gave the key to Uthman. And Uthman, he went back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and he gave him the key. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he went in and he prayed inside the Kaaba. Now, the Prophet ﷺ had the key. And he can give it to whomever he wants. And the Prophet ﷺ remembers this incident with Uthman many years ago. And Uthman remembers the incident as well. Neither of them have forgotten this. But the Prophet ﷺ says, This is a day of righteousness and loyalty. And he said to Uthman, he said, your family, Banu Shayba, they will keep the key of the Kaaba. You will keep the key of the Kaaba and your family, the tribe of Bani Shayba, which is one of the sub-tribes of the Quraysh, your family will keep the key of the Kaaba until Yawmul Qiyamah. And no one will take it away from you except a zalim. If anyone takes the key away from your family, this person is an oppressor, he is an evildoer, he is a zalim. This key will stay in your family until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And the key to this day, the key of the Kaaba, it is with the family of Bani Shayba. It is to this day with the same family, with the family of Bani Shayba. And no one can enter the Kaaba without their permission. Even if the king wants to enter the Kaaba, he has to go and get permission from Bani Shayba because they are the ones who have that key and they are the ones who have the right to that key. 
they are they have been given that right by the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so these were the events that happened on the glorious occasion of the fath of Mecca a very important event and incident in the history of Islam and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to benefit from the lessons that occurred on this day ameen inshallah we will continue with the seerah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam next week bi'ithnillah wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in